Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. Welcome to the den. This is the howl. We would like to welcome everybody listening on the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on the Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones. Studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the, and it burns, burns, burns of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Burning Ring of Fire Groshan, the producer of the show. And to my left is none other than Rob, the taste of love is sweet Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. In honor of Flip Saunders, who would have turned 64 this week, we quote him tonight. It's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. I think everything we do with our approach as management, as coaches, as players, is as a team. They don't single anyone out. They win as a team. They lose as a team. And that is what's important. Second quarter of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our talker segment. We cover everything WNBA, NBA, Wolves, you name it. If it's happening and it's news and noteworthy, in the game of basketball, we will be talking about it. And first thing I want to start off with uh, is a little pat on the back to one of my favorite players in the NBA right now, guys, uh, Boban Marjanovic. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Boban reached 1,000 career points uh, in his game on the 20th or 21st, I believe. Uh, he did it in 1,574 minutes of playing time. Per the Elias Sports Bureau, that's the second fewest minutes needed to reach 1,000 career points among active players. Uh, the only person to do it in fewer minutes, the process himself, Joel Embiid. Nice. Very impressive. So, congratulations to Boban. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about him. I, th- I mean, it, it started off kind of as a, a little bit of like a joke between all three of us, but I love the fact that Boban is thriving in Philly. Um, Getting his getting his opportunity and and playing well and he's playing with his best friend Tobias Harris. So congratulations to Boban there. I uh, just wanted to touch on that real quick. Um, just kind of cool, kind of a cool fact too. Yep. Like second quickest Agreed. when you look at 
the likes of who's in the league now, um, you know, it's yeah, that's, very true. That's, a, that's a pretty sweet stat. Uh, the other thing I want to get into uh, before we get into some of the more um, talkier stuff, if you will, uh, there is a tweet uh, that went out over the weekend that I thought was was pretty funny. Uh, and I'm trying to find the exact tweet, but basically um, a guy, a gentleman from SB Nation, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. You and I talked about it a little bit pre-show before Aaron showed up, but uh, his tweet was, uh, um, if you had to fight somebody with the same first name as you, who would it be and would you win? Which, so, and you had mentioned this. It's funny, this didn't come up for me. In my head, that's not who I thought of. But Robert Kraft is what someone pointed out. And, yeah. and it was great because it's like, of course, I'd, I'd be the crap out of that guy. He's like 100. So if you had to say that again? So you have to fight somebody with the same first name as you. Who would it be and would you win? Ah, so actually here, I think we'll do this. Wait. I think well, we vote, we pick it for the other person. So, and it has to be someone that's current. So, for example, for Aaron, I think it'd be the guy that just signed his new contract today, Aaron Hicks. So what could Aaron beat Aaron Hicks? The answer to that is unequivocally no. Probably not. No offense to you. Not no, not at all. It's just he's a, a professional baseball player, big guy. I think he could take you. It's not that big. I mean, compared to you. <laughs> I could take him. You could take him? Oh, all day. We're yeah. setting this up. We're setting this up. I'm going to contact the Yankees. Set it up. At Aaron Hicks. Find him on Twitter. <clears throat> All the, pro, all the proceeds go to charity. I would be a, easy. actually all the proceeds would go to your medical bills. Nope. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that'd be fun. Uh, all right, Aaron. Now we got to decide for Rob. So I just want to, to put some preface on this. The first thing that came up for me when, when you, when you brought this to my attention really stupidly, I, and I don't know why this is the guy I thought of was Robert E. Lee, the old general from the Confederacy. Of course, that's who you think of. He like, would smack you up hard. The only, but so, and, and that's what I said, because I was trying to think of famous Roberts. And so I was like, well, Robert Parrish was another one that comes to mind. Bob Cousy. Just, yeah, Bob Cousy. I think, I think most, I'll be honest, I'm not a fighter. Most guys would probably beat me up. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that's not true. But Robert Kraft, I could take. I'll take Robert Kraft. Bear paw defense. Bear paw defense. Bear paw defense gets it done, man, especially against Robert Kraft. All right, fellas, what about for me? Kevin, Kevin Lynch. Garnett. Oh, Kevin Lynch. <laughs> no, nah, he could probably take Kevin Lynch. Oh, let me get into it with him. He actually went to school with my wait, mom, wait, we gotta too. Think so. of a, we got to think of a good Kevin. Like a proper Kevin? Like Kevin Garnett. I mean, it's a wolf show. Kevin McHale. Kevin Love. There's a lot of Kevins. I just get Kevin Love to do knuckle push-ups, and I'll be just fine. Just throw some chocolate milk in his eyes. push-ups on your face. <laughs> oh, here's, here's the tweet, so I got to give props to it. Jason Kirk. Uh, oh, you, that's right. Yeah, do you think you right. could defeat in physical combat the most famous person who shares your first name, and who is that person? Most famous person. My, my favorite thing was there was a lot of guys named Connor tweeting gifts of Connor McGregor and saying so not that's a chance. Why, that's why I said Robert E. Lee. I think he's one of the most famous or infamous yeah. people named Robert. That's why I thought of him. If you stuck with just the NBA, let's how about this? If you just stuck with the NBA, Aaron Baines, Aaron Baines would beat the crap out of yep, you. That yeah. guy is nuts. I wouldn't stand. I saw chance. someone's tweet where they were like, "Oh, and actually, that's it. We'll talk about that later." But like, he's apparently <clears throat> like scary. I got Aaron Rodgers. You, you you know I you might be able to take Aaron Rodgers. I think he's kind of soft. Yeah, I would say Aaron Gordon. Just basketball. punch him in the collarbone. Aaron Gordon. Ooh, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon would take you, man. That guy's he is like. I don't think I'd stand a chance. He's just, For like, lack of a better word, he is chiseled. Like yeah. that's all I'm saying. Yep. And Amen he's like that. got probably seven, eight inches of reach on me. <laughs> but reach alone would be like the, I mean, that's what it. would I do? Yeah, I, Robert I had, Covington, he's taking me out. No, it's, the, not, it's not a question. I had Kevin Durant and Kevin Garnett as the two that I chose in my reach. No, you might go take Kevin Kevin Durant. There's I'm no not even sure if that guy either. can still bench press. Remember, he he was a zero at the combine. That's hard to do. A zero? You might be able to take him. So the, uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on that I, I found in my, my Twitter feed, and then we'll get into some of the other stuff that you had chose, Rob. Uh, folks over at The Ringer uh, posted an article, the top 25 NBA players of the first 60-ish games. Uh, so going through what they're kind of looking at here is uh, um, just given a, a, a... Basically, they took all of the staff and had them all kind of rank the best 25 players in the league. So we'll, we'll go over the list. Um, some, some notables missed the cut, including LaMarcus Aldrich, D'Angelo Russell, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris. Um, I, I, I actually, I'm not sure I have any problem with those guys not being in the top 25. So here's the, here's the list as it goes. Uh, and this was actually updated as of 
When you start to think about last it, last week, it, I mean, you know, there's a lot of names in that. Top so number 25. 25 is Kyle Lowry. Ooh, I don't know about that. Clay Thompson is 24. Uh, Nick yep. Vucevic is 23. He's had a great season. Chris Middleton, 22. Whoa, well, I don't know about that. Luca, 21. He's an All Star. Uh, Russ Westbrook at 20. Russell if Westbrook you, if at you want, 20? If you want explanation on a player for what they say, let me know and I can read it yeah, off. So like for yeah, Russ, I feel like for a few well, of the, yeah. So for Russ, they say, let's get this out of the way early. The shooting has been putrid. Only two other players have ever shot this poorly from the field. He's at 41.7%. I think we know who one of those players is, and by the way. from three at 24.9 at this volume, and he's taking just shy of 20 attempts per game. So let me ask you this, though. Is he going to finish the season with a triple-double average? And what what was the how many in a row did he just have triple doubles? Because he just yeah, broke he the streak. A, he had a stretch. Yeah, it was a long stretch. Think I, of it this way: Westbrook is far out producing Ben Simmons on a per thirty six minute basis, but is indulging in all the ill advised attempts away from the basket that Simmons is too afraid to take. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, Nineteen uh, is Brad Beal. Eighteen, Carl Anthony Towns. Nineteen seems high for Bradley Beal. It does. Br- Brad Beal is a good player. It's not a great really play. bad team. And here's the reason yeah, why, I I brought, all the why I brought this article up. Because whoever wrote this, uh, last name oh, is right. Verrier. Yes. We had this conversation. Uh, has right. a, has, uh, you would think the biggest hatred for Carl Anthony Towns when you read what he says. So he says, and I quote, I don't know what to make of Towns anymore. He's a 20 and 10 guy for the third season in a row. He hasn't missed a game in his entire NBA career. This was before the accident. So it's his fault. And the surgical removal of Jimmy Butler from his butthole has diverted the spotlight away from his lacking defense and back on his significant offensive game. And yet the broad outlook on Towns is still colored by disappointment. Call it the burden of being the number one pick if you want, but topping out at Nikola Vucevic extra isn't what you're hoping for from a former 23 or from a 23 year old former five tool prospect. So that's someone that doesn't watch basketball. Because it's common knowledge that Carl Towns has taken leaps and bounds on the defensive end. Like, leaps and bounds. The guy is legitimately a, a solid defender. He's not, like, he's not a great defender, but to go from where he was before to where he is now, and, addition, and you add that to his, already, his offensive game, which is by one of the best in the game, I mean, come on. That's, that's such a bad take. You, yep. can't, I just, you can't call defense his, a deficiency anymore. He's average or better <clears throat> for sure on defense. One of the top 10 block guys getting blocks in the game. I just, I mean, that's a bad, that's Averaging an absolutely one bad blocks take. per game. That's a bad take. Aaron, you want to ring in on this at all, or should I move on? I think him and Rob should uh, do a call-in debate. I mean, it wouldn't go well for this guy who clearly doesn't watch Set basketball. Set it up, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean look, look at some of these other numbers. Bradley Beal's right behind him. Come on. Bradley Beal does not belong on that Call list. him out on Twitter. Top 25. So, Beal, Beal's averaging 25.1, 5.4, 5.1. That's not even good numbers on a bad team. Yeah, like, those are those fine are good numbers. numbers, Rob. Don't no, get wait, wait, time out, time out. 25, 5, and 5? Come on. No, 25 points on and a bad since, team. Since Wall played his last game before he got injured, Beal's been averaging 27, 7, 6.4 assists, and 5.4 okay, rebounds. Okay, that's, that's better. No, this legitimately. This a basket extra a game. No, no, not the points. It's doing the other stuff because now he's on a bad team and he's one of the old, like he's one of the, the he's main He's averaging guys. an assist more and .3 rebounds more per game. Yeah, I think that matters. All right. Uh, 17 is Ben Simmons. Man. 16 is Drew Holiday. No really? That's, that's I don't a, agree with that at all. 21.1, 7.9 assists, 5.1 rebounds, 1.6 steals. Those are good numbers. But, but I mean, the guy wasn't it, even an all-star. But impactful. Like, yeah, how impactful is his game? That's a, okay, how about that? That's more, that's bad. That's great numbers. Really, I, I mean, those are great the, numbers. The, the Pelicans have been worse when Holiday is off the floor to minus 10.9 than when Davis you know, is off the he floor. He is really good defensively. I just, that seems high to me. Like, I'm not putting him in front of Towns. There's no way. His points, rebounds, assists, and steal averages this season are all at or around career highs. I, man, I just can't. I don't know. I'm not buying this. Uh, 15 is Kemba Walker. Uh, I di- 14 is Rudy Gobert. Wow. 13 is Blake Griffin. Really? Blake Griffin's 13? 26.3 Blake, Blake points. Man. Blake Griffin's balling, man. Yep, Come on. He, he really is. Oh, uh, 12 the... is uh, Dame Dollar. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I get that. 11 is Kyrie. Yep, yep. That makes sense. Number 10 is LeBron. T- LeBron's 10? 
Yep. Well, if you're basing it off of this season, I think that's fair. He's been injured quite a bit. I think that's fair. I, I'm fine with that. Number nine is Anthony Davis. Yep. Kawhi yep. comes in at eight. No. No, that's low. That's, that's too low. low. Uh, number seven, Rob's going to hate this. Nikola Jokic. See, that doesn't make sense to me. He's not, he's not better than Towns. That's a, that's, that makes no sense to me. That right there tells you a lot about the person that wrote this. 20.4 points, 10.6 rebounds, 7.7 assists, and one, one and a half steals. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to argue till the day that I die that Towns is just as good of a passer, but they're being used completely differently. They're using him basically as a point forward. I mean, he, they use him as a facilitator. Towns' vision is absolutely elite. They just don't use him that way. What's interesting, it's like on the national level, if you were to surmise the takes between Jokic or Towns as the better player, that's what they focus on, is, is Jokic's passing ability, and that's what they will say, this is what puts him over the top. But I would argue that Towns' offense, you know, especially three-point shooting, is better. But his defense is better, too. Jokic is not a good defender. He's a yeah. bad defender. Pull up the history. How many times have Towns and Jokic played, and, and who had the better games? Yeah. I how feel about, like how about last Towns. year in the playoffs where Taj Gibson absolutely, at the end of the game, solidified the win for the Wolves to get to the playoffs because he just took over um, Jokic. Just was like, nope, you're not scoring anymore. You can't do that to Towns. Number six on the list is Joel Embiid. 27.3, 13.5 a game. Man. With... Three and a half assists a game. He's really good, but to put him in front of Kawhi Leonard, I just don't agree with. Uh, Kevin Durant coming in at five. I mean, he's a snake, but it's fine. <laughs> Number four, Steph Curry. Number three, Paul George. Number two, James Harden. And one, Giannis. And yep. number one, obviously, leaves us with Giannis. There's, there's, there's a number of players in positions that are wrong. I think we can agree. There's no DeMar DeRozan on that list. Oh my gosh, you're right. How is DeMar DeRozan on that list? <laughs> so here's a fun fact. So Giannis, Giannis is currently averaging 27.2 points per game. He's borderline on that 30 mark. He could be the first 30 and 12 player since Moses Malone in 81-82 if he keeps up where he's at. He's phenomenal. It's I, I honestly think it's going to come down to him and, and Paul George for the MVP. And that's not a slight against James Harden. I, I hate on James Harden a lot. I think a lot of what he does takes away from the overall splendor of the game um, with his little leg It's not enjoyable. And, it's not and, enjoyable to yeah, watch exactly. him play. But his scoring streak has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, but I think it comes down to Giannis and Paul George for the, uh, for the MVP race at the end of the year. You know what's funny? You know the name that people are starting to throw out there now, and this makes me so angry, is Jokic. Like people are throwing him out there as a dark horse for MVP. That, but I don't, I don't think it was that all over Twitter today, and I was like, "What? Like, what are we even doing here? That's so ridiculous." I, that's a the Nuggets have a legitimately good team and a good coach. Like, come on, are you serious? That's a really good team. I just, I he's not an MVP. He's not. You know I, what's interesting? Be in the conversation. This really frames up for me and my. After taking away, uh, yeah, these players, there's some shifting that needs to happen. But think about this for a second. How great do people think Giannis is? And what did Kevin just tell you? He could be the first player since Moses Malone. Now that should tell you right then and there how damn good Moses Malone was. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. And I think Moses played for like nineteen or twenty seasons. He, he did have a long career because he was like f- yes. Forty in his forties when he retired. So Moses Malone was balling at Giannis's level before Giannis was even in this world. So for the the young people that listen to Dash Radio, nothing but net or the Howl, there you have it. Moses Malone was a hooper. You know what's crazy about the Giannis stuff is that he's been on record that he's not the best brother. Yeah. I want to see his brother. It's, uh, I think it's Lex. Costas. Alex. No, not Costas. Yeah, Costas. Huh? No, not Costas. No, Co- it's, it's Alex. Alex. It's his younger brother. It's still in high school. school. At okay. Dayton, right? Uh, no, well, he's still in high school, isn't he? Is he? Costas was at Dayton. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Costas. I think Costas could be really good. I actually think Thanasis was really good, but he never got a fair shake. We, I, we're all on record. You you started that thing. And, and I, dude, I, think I started he got, that thing a lot. I think he got screwed. <laughs> I, I'll never forget. I remember showing Kevin all these videos and like, there were like these like old, like, you know, like 
his Greek footage and stuff like like overseas. And I'm like, this guy's going to be unbelievable. So somebody posted, did you know after his rookie year, he almost walked away from the NBA? Really? Because his, yep. his family couldn't get yeah. visas into the country. And so he almost quit the NBA to wow. go back to go be with them. He's 17, by the way. Yeah, I just remember like... Alex? Yep. It was early on and like he was saying like how fast he was growing and I'm watching him just like kick everybody's ass. I was like telling Kevin, this guy's going to be the next... He's their next real deal. Sure enough... All right, so, so Alex, is, by the way, is listed as the number seven player in the country at his age. Okay. Uh, they also have them. Well, that's what they list here anyways. Um, he actually goes to school in Milwaukee. Uh, he go, it's in like a, let's see, Dominican high school in suburban Milwaukee is where he goes to school. He had a seven foot two wingspan at 15. That's ridiculous. All right. Next one I want to touch on guys. Um, and then we'll get into my favorite segment of our talkers, which is the Howell hot takes. This one I don't think is is a hot take, uh, but it is something I think that needs to be discussed. Uh, so Mark Wallen um, tweeted out on the a couple of days ago. I can't believe there's real people out there that believe Devin Booker is better than Donovan Mitchell. What has Booker done with his team? Absolutely nothing. They're trash. Mitchell's already led his team to a first round playoff victory over a team with the rating MVP at the time and Paul George. So my question to you guys: Do you think? Donovan Mitchell is better than Devin Booker. It's not close. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm with Mark on this. I think Devin Booker, by the way, is super overrated. No defense. He sucks in my team. I'll tell you that. Don't play that card. I don't, like, it's tough. Like, so Donovan Mitchell's a better player, but I think it's Donovan Mitchell's intangibles that really throw him over the top here. You talk about tenacity, leadership, sort of grit you know, clutch, mm-hmm. um, Devin Booker, offensively talented, I would say severely lacks defense. The other thing too is, uh, you know, you can really throw Booker off his game. And I haven't oh, seen, you hundred percent. I, I haven't seen Mitchell get thrown off his game. So let me, let me ask you guys this. This is, this is the question I posed to Mark and never got a response on, but I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that in all aspects of the team as a whole, Donovan has more talent. He's got, I'd say, a, a, cl- well, a better a better head coach. I sure. would say a better front office, and I would say a better team around him. When you look at the likes of Gobert, he's got. I mean, he's learning from Corver. He's got Rubio. He's got Favors. All in all, a better team. So when you're in a better environment, you tend to you tend to do better if you're well, a you player. So let me so let me ask faster. you this: If you switch roles. Donovan Mitchell's on the Suns. Devin Booker's on the Jazz. Are we having this conversation? That's the better question. That's I think that's an okay question, but I just don't. I still don't think. I don't think Devin Booker's is that guy. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's very overrated. Devin Booker for me is is more of a specialist, right? Like you can run him up. Think about like a player like Ray Allen. Like you can run motions for him. They can come yeah. off screens. You get him an on time pass right in the pocket. Boom, catch and shoot. Yep, that's I think fair. Booker's a better talent when it comes to that. However, Donovan Mitchell has that ability to come off screen and rolls, weave through, weave through pick and rolls, yep. and fight through traffic. Not that Booker can't do those things. It's just Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell has a better way to finish with contact, finish in the lane. Um, it, you know, it would be tough to see what – Donovan Mitchell would look like on the Suns because I, I feel like the way the Suns are set up, you almost have to play like Booker, because you know this this kind of goes back. Think of like how KG was with the Wolves. Here he is killing himself at night in and night out. You know, like what's Booker supposed to do? Do that night in and night out just to win? You know, instead of winning twenty when twenty four six, games. Remember when he had the sixty point game? Seventy. Or seventy. Sorry, you're right. Seventy, and it was just like. Just trash. Well, like they literally were just like force feeding the ball yeah. and just chucking shots. Um, but that's because that 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 to me more says something about the franchise of the Suns than Devin Booker, because they were so blatant with it. Like any self respecting proper team would never do that. The, you, you would never be so down in the, the dumps one thing to be I'll like, say about here, dude, keep chucking it. The one thing I'll say about Devin Booker, uh, and this is part of my issue, is. 
you know, you guys like to rip Wiggins, which is I, I get that. But I don't about, rip Wiggins. No, no, I no, try no, to I, hold him accountable. Just, think about. I mean, I don't know that you're loving paying Devin Booker the max. I will say this. If I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick Booker. I wouldn't. But I'm also Wiggins Stan. I mean, I, I'm I'm on an island with that take, and I'm fine with that. I, I'm fine I, with that. I love I like Booker over Wiggins because I can tell you this. Booker is truly elite at one thing, shooting. And I can't pick one thing that Wiggins is truly elite at. Jumping out of the gym. That's that <laughs> no. That's still count. something. No, I, to be fair, if they were to, if they called us and said we're going to trade you Devin Booker for Andrew Wiggins, of course I would take that deal. But may, one of the main reasons is because he's like Cat's best friend, and right there, I'm a huge chemistry is so big if you ask me. And so of course, if they if that if that deal came apart, I would do it. But my point is just if you were to ask every GM in the league who would you rather pay max money to, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell, it wouldn't be close. Well, and the other thing is, is this is a three-point shooting league. It's turned into that. So why wouldn't you rather have the better three-point shooter? But so if you're so Mitchell's at better just, in every aspect, in in my regard. Just a, he's a more overall player, more complete, plays defense. He's definitely a better passer. I just what we'll give. Let's say we'll give Devin Booker the three-point nod, and that's what that's probably it. Yeah, because then it comes into intangibles fall into Booker's favor. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Mitchell's yeah, favor. No, I get you. Yep. Then Mitchell also has the finish with contact. Uh, I think he's a better. He can do it all. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm a huge Diamond Mitchell fan. And, and I think I will say this. For the Wolves, if you're talking about connection, all of, all of Josh Okogie's numbers in college were the same or better in literally every single statistic than Donovan Mitchell. I'm not, I'm not claiming that he's going to be the next Donovan Mitchell, but it's just when you see a guy able to do that, and we're talking literally everything, like in, intangibles, their athleticism, the numbers were the same or better in every single statistic. So to me, that just gives you an idea of what a bright future it could be. I think Okogi and Mitchell have two completely different games, though. I don't see an ounce of They Mitchell. didn't in college. They were almost identical players. Mm. That's a, a Kogi to me still feels like Dwayne Wade. No, no, I don't think so because uh, he's already got such a night. Like if you watch Josh Kogi well, shoot, no, 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 I'm just complimented by saying he's a first. No, no, I just Hall think they're famer. different players. I'm just saying I, don't, I think they're different players. Really? Yeah, because I think Kogi's has a higher ceiling as far as a shooter. No, do you know Dwayne Wade? Prime Dwayne Wade. His mid range that like oh no those, his mid range is fantastic. Okay. I meant I meant more like like three pointer because Dwayne Wade was never like necessarily a reliable three point shooter. I'll be shocked if Okogi ever tops a career high in three point shooting for Dwayne Wade. But what I will say is think about Wade. He had led the league of guards in blocks for multiple seasons. I could see Okogi doing that. could very well do. Yeah, that. I agree. I agree. They're ba- basically similar size, good finishing. They had the dunking. Ability off a of one or two feet. I think feet. that's fair. I think they're. I get. I get what you're saying. I think that's fair. I'm telling you, man. That's Should we move on to? You want yeah, to do the hot takes? Let's move on to some hot takes because we've got some bad ones. The first one I get want to start off take. with is at Warrior Fan KD35. Warrior spelled incorrectly, by so, the way. So this is one of Kevin Durant's burner accounts. Yeah, it's probably. Uh, the name is Nathan. <laughs> it says. And the name's Kevin. So he goes. Draymond is a Mitch. He meant to say much, but much better defender than Kobe. Knows his role, doesn't jack up shots, hustles, sets off ball screens, etc. Give me Draymond on an established team over Kobe any day. I'll take him over inefficient scoring any day. That's so stupid. Nope. I, I mean, that's just I, the only thing, literally the one thing I would take Draymond for is if I was having a crotch kicking contest. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not doing it. So the, the reply the reply that I found that I like the most goes, if you are looking for people that ate Elmer's glue as a child, look no further than the likes and retweets of this post. Yep, 100%. My Lord, I can't believe that there are people out there. Especially now that Dr- like Draymond's not playing well. I mean, if you watch Draymond now versus like two years ago, completely different player. It's like he, he's not a bad player, but he's not as good as he was. No, I don't he's, know what not the, he's not even remotely close to the player no. that... Not at all. That he supposedly would be. Uh, this guy describes himself as a diehard Warriors and Cowboys fan. Oh, that makes sense. Follow for in-depth sport analysis. He likes <laughs> Fortnite and Minecraft. Draymond is his favorite player. 
Is he just like ponies and oh unicorns? Like what's happening? This is a child, I'm assuming. I've always wanted to meet one of these kind of people in real life. Yep. Like somebody that just is an absolute. Is his name Kevin? Diehard bandwagon fan. <laughs> no, it's Nathan. Pretty, right. uh, pretty, ha- pretty happy that uh, I don't share the same name as him. Uh, the next one here is one that Rob pulled in for us. Uh, let's... You can pull it up. Yep, it is. Uh... Is it a dandy? Well, there's two dandies. We, but you got to call them out. You got to actually give them the call out there, Kev. So this one is from take. at Great Dame 19 uh, in response to a tweet from the Wolves that says, big game on deck with uh, some pictures of the Wolves during warmups. Great Dame 19 responds or uh, decides to respond with, Ryan Saunders sure looks ready to blow another game today. Like Ryan Saunders has been a phenomenal coach especially with the fact that he has no clue who he's going to be missing, and you can add Towns to that, mi- that, that mix, obviously. I can't look at any game that I, without a doubt, can say, and even with like, tr- like a partial doubt, would be able to say Ryan Saunders has cost us this game. I would argue that he's probably outcoached every other coach. Just the fact mm. that, name, name, name a team we played where you felt like Ryan Saunders got outcoached. The Bucks. I No, I disagree. They're, he got out talented. He uh, got Giannis. I don't know what I, I mean. I don't know what else. I don't know what else he could have done with the limited players he was he had in that well, game. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Does execution fall under the coach? Does execution fall? No, not not play in terms execution, of, defensive no. execution. Not uh, no. of course it does. No, it's not. Most definitely yes. If I if I'm coaching a team of let's say 15 players and they're all missing their arms and their legs, what? they will probably won't be able to execute my game plan real well. Is that my fault? It is not. That's just the hand of a dealt. That was the worst analysis I've ever heard. Dude, okay. That's wow, Rob. All of the players on the court had their arms and feet. But, yeah, but my point is they it's were a much all better fully team. Healthy. No, no, no. No, Hold it's on. not? Wait, wait, it's not? Wait, no. Pump your brakes. Here's the thing. Pump your brakes. The offensive execution and defensive execution of a team solely falls on a coach. Well, the offensive execution was fantastic. Okay. But at the end of that game, which team executed and which team did not? The Bucks executed. Talent aside, one team did what they're supposed to do. One team did not. Mike Budenholzer well, had, yeah, had out. If you get rid of the talent, then some teams might be different. It's well, like talking to a brick wall, Aaron. Correct. Well, wait. Well, time out. Let's get. Let's hear your opinion then. What did you want? I'm, I'm in agreement with Aaron. So, what did you want Ryan Saunders to do differently? I can't really say what he could have done differently, but I'm just saying Mike Budenholzer executed better in the last seven minutes of that game when they went on a huge run. So here's here's the thing with the Wolves. He could have taken have, a timeout and tried to slow it down. The Wolves don't have an identity. When you look at the Bucks, you look at a high-tempo offensive team that can defend well. What are the Wolves? What would you say the identity of the Wolves are? Currently, Cat? Currently injured. Their identity is being injured. And missing. Cool, that's an excuse. It's not an excuse, that's a fact. But it's also an excuse. It is not an excuse. The team we are playing literally had no injuries. Well, so if you have, if, you, if we had every single player on our team, they had every single player on their team, and the same exact thing happened, I like this conversation much more. But the fact that you're looking at two teams, one that is, number one, is more talented, but number two, has no injuries. I mean, the fact that we, he did as good of a job as he did to me, is impressive. The trouble but, with your analysis in this is you're basically saying if a team is, you assess the team to be more talented, then therefore they cannot be outcoached because that's what you're saying happened. No, but in you're, the you're not saying they, game. you of course could get outcoached, but Ryan Saunders did a heck of a job in terms of just it's, it's being not, competitive. It's not overtly. It's not like it was a glaring, like, oh my God, look at this. But yes, we could have stopped a run quicker. We could have changed things up. And de- there's things that I can guarantee he looked back and thought, "Yeah, I could have done this better." Mm, I'm I not. Don't know about I, that. But again, you have to understand. I started this whole thing off by saying, I can't think of one game looking at Ryan Saunders' short tenure here where I've said he's blown it. I, I've seen a numerous amount of out of timeout, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds plays. Where remember, I would be texting Rob constantly, going. Well, Tom Tibolo can't figure out how to drop a play yeah, out of a timeout. No Ryan Saunders is really good at drawing out plays, I will say. And that's that's where no, I was No, it's going. a low bar because when you look at the other coaches. Rob just totally stomped on my. 
yep. <laughs> finale right now. I'm about to say that thing. He's just like, oh. Well, because I, I'm uh, heated now that you're ripping my guy Saunders. I was We're not the, ripping him I whatsoever. Well, not, no, that's not true. You said he got outcoached. I did not say he got outcoached. You said you agreed with Aaron. Aaron said he got outcoached. In the last seven minutes of that game, yeah. Yeah, that is what it is. Because we, it was framed up in the topic of of execution. And the Bucks executed better than the Wolves down the stretch. And then you just said it was only because they were more talented. I think that's a huge portion of it, yes. Ryan Saunders it's himself a, said he, he felt like the team just ran out of gas. Well, they were on a back-to-back. I can understand that. But that's Anyways, my point. what were we really supposed to be talking about here, Kevin? Uh, we're on our Howell Hot Takes. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to move on to the next one. Thank you. Uh, this is from at Hoops and Brews. Which uh, they're on our station. Uh, the Nothing But Net channel. They are. On Dash, Dash Radio. Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when this do they is air? from uh, Pavi at Pavi World. He goes, Luca is not better than Trey Young, and I'm going to remind you all of that every week for the next 15 years. That's a bad take. Luca's better. How so? What? Explain How yourself. How so? Explain In yourself. every aspect of the game possible. Shooting? Yep. Yeah, no. I would probably take him shooting. Yeah. Off, more the, clutch. Dri- off the dribble? Let's take a look. Uh, so here's the deal. Luke, the is, Luke is averaging more three-pointers attempted and made. His percentage is better. He's averaging more points, more offensive rebounds, more defensive rebounds. Uh, Definitely more assists. 1.8 less assists than oh, Trey Young. really? Yeah, Trey's at 7.7. I'm 7. actually surprised 7. by that. Uh, but more steals. Well, Luca's also blocks, not a point guard, though. Trey Young's less, a point guard. Less turnovers, better free throw percentage, better field goal percentage. Ooh. So, in basically every aspect except for assists and free throw percentage, which is really close, Luca's statistically better. And look at it this way Trey Young was never even in the conversation to be an all star. Luca Doncic, most people felt, should have been an all star. I think that tells you a lot. And we're talking like, like when you're watching the All-Star game and they're literally saying in the telecast, Lucas should have been here. Like that, that tells you a lot. I don't, I don't want to say this or like, like hear that. Like the, it's super far apart though. I, I still think both of these guys are extremely They're both going to be really good, but this idea that... Oh, Trey, Trey Young is very talented, and that's not, that's not anything we're trying to say that no, he's not. At not all. But, but to say that he's better than Luka Doncic is, is ludicrous. Because the way the tweet is phrased, he's saying right now and forever. That's just what it is. And that's just... That's ludicrous to me. And so... so Hit him with uh, the hot take. Uh, somebody commented saying... Uh, um, they're basically kind of you know posting the stats and... and Pavi goes, have you seen the last two months of basketball from Trey Young? So basically he's saying that over the last two months, I was going to, he is playing better. I didn't want to bring that up because yeah, if you can take, you know, and it's tough because the sample size is so small, but if you even make it smaller, it starts skewing the argument. And I, I agree with that statement. That was the impression I was under. I was actually going to say the last month, um, Trey has been playing out of his mind, which for me starts to tell me he's figuring it out. Yep. So, given that they're rookies, I, you can take away very broad strokes in a rookie season. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how they, for me, it's how, what they improve on and come back for that second season. So, I mean, jury's still out. So, my last Howell hot take comes from... Hit him with the hot takes. A man that uh, probably should not be talking like he was. Um, in response to a tweet from the Minnesota Timberwolves... Uh, which uh, Mr. Ja Rule? This is the yeah. If you've been living under a rock and have not seen this, uh, Ja Rule uh, played at halftime of the Bucks Wolves game. The Wolves tweeted, uh, "We too were hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray." Uh, this is kind of taken the uh, the the NBA world by storm, if you will, and Minnesota fans kind of kind of playing it well. But he. Uh, he tweeted, retweeted the, the Wolves tweet and said, you just jinx yourself talking to the God this way. You're cursed now. You won't win a championship for the next 30 years, and Cat is leaving. Apologize, and I'll list, lift the curse. Kiss of death. Which, uh, first of all, he's stealing his, that take from the So Yeah, so Lil first B. off, he, he, thinks he's, he thinks he's the base God. He thinks he's Lil B. Uh, second off, Ja Rule hasn't been relevant since the early 2000s when he even said in his performance 
that this was 90s night at the Bucks game and they got an early 2000s artist. And they couldn't even get the sound to get ready. And C, nobody cheered for him. But D, we're already cursed. Tell us something we don't know. My, my argument is that if you curse a team that's already cursed, you're just lifting the previous one. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of people saying the Wolves <laughs> are going to win the 2019 NBA championship because of Ja Rule cursing us. I mean, it's, it's really, really stupid. Uh, they took his own tweet and just sent it back to him. It's his tweet. And what, what it's in regards to, for anyone that doesn't understand the context, is that Ja Rule at, at this point is lucky he's not in prison because he was part of the whole fire, fire, fire festival. festival. And he wants to try to run another one. Did yeah, you hear I, did, that? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's kind of been been uh, been making fun of him for this uh, uh, for this tweet. It's I been just, just be self aware. Like be self aware. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it'd be one thing if 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 you could tell he was meant that in jest, but I don't think it. At no point do I think that was in jest. I think he was pissed. Honestly, though, given all of this press that he's got off, it, I get it. Caught a major L on this one. You gotta believe somebody went and listened to some Ja Rule music, throwing it back a bit. Like this press has gotta be in a weird roundabout way somehow benefiting him to some extent. Cause outside of the Fire Festival documentary, now this, I hadn't thought or said or even heard somebody talk about Ja Rule Correct. in years. And here we are. It's front and center. NBA Twitter, probably one of the biggest presents or present group yeah. on Twitter. And they, they do say That's bad press is about. good press. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but here's, okay, here's the question I have for you. Cause he was trying to play this off. Like it was a regular thing at any halftime show that you've been to in the NBA. I, I don't think I've seen players come out in the middle of a performance. I have to shoot. I have. Yeah. It's pretty common actually. Really? Cause I, uh-huh. I have yet to see it. And I just, I mean, seeing like, Giannis a season and a couple older, of the guys tell you out to shoot in the middle of his set. Like it happens. It does. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Yeah. Then I'm, I, I just said I had never seen that before. So uh, one last thing I want to get to on the talker segment here. Um, I know we're, uh, we're running a little low on time, but Rob, you've got a note here, and I'm, I'm curious as to what this is. So this is why I want to go over with you. You've got, uh, uh, let's see, where is it? Month franchise player. Can you, uh, you want to elaborate yep. on this a little bit? So it's us? kind of similar to when we've done that where you get like $15 and you choose a, you choose a player. Okay. It's very similar to that. So it's your birth month is your franchise player for the future. So I'll go over just the 12 of these. And I think it would be kind of cool down the road um, in a future episode. Maybe we take this and we try to start a franchise in 2K with our respective players. I like it. So uh, well, I'll go through the different months and you guys can kind of chime in. Okay. I'm not going to claim to know people's birthdays because I'm not good at dates. Nope, that's fine. Uh, so January is De'Aaron Fox. Ugh. February is Luka Doncic. Dang, I wish I was born in February. March is Donovan Mitchell. April is Jokic. May is D'Angelo Russell. June is uh, Kyle Kuzma. July is... I actually don't know who this person is. Who is... Come here. Take a look at this. Why am I drawing a blank on who <laughs> July is? I can't think of who that is. For the Thunder? No, I thought it was the Thunder too, but it it can't be. Is that the Knicks? Oh, is, is it that... Mitchell Robinson? Show here, I'll show Aaron. Show Aaron. I I honestly don't know who that August is. August is Ben Simmons. Yep. So a lot of them make sense. I don't know who that is. So August is Ben Simmons. Uh, September was uh, uh, Devin Booker. Who's July? Who Who's is July? That? Aaron, is it that bad that we don't know? That's Frank Natilakina. He's in a Knicks jersey. Oh, thank God. I thought I had the second worst. The hair, threw me, I, the hair threw me off. He should not be on this list. Well, regardless. Sucks if you have a July birthday. Yep. Um, not that he couldn't be a good player, but as of now, he shouldn't be on this list. But yeah, so October's Jason Tatum. So that's who I get, which is awesome. Uh, Joel Embiid is November, and then December is Carl Anthony Towns. So I have Tatum. Who do I'm, you guys have? I'm not, I'm not happy with mine. I get De'Aaron Fox. What? What's, De'Aaron Fox is great. Who's April? April is Nikolai Jokic. So I win. So I think that'd be kind of fun in a future episode. You'll get Jokic, you get Fox, and I get Jason Tatum. And we, we try to build a franchise. Build, around build a franchise around that player, just like they're suggesting here. I'm game for that. Let's All right. Well, it. that's going to wrap it up uh, for the third quarter talker segment. Uh, coming up in the fourth quarter, we've got the Howell Hardwood history and another great game of can Kevin Cousy that you're not going to want to miss. That's all coming up. 
You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Nut channel, and we are The Howl. Welcome back to The Howl. We are joined by Fachi. He is the co-host of the Setting the Pace show here on Dash Radio, uh, which you can hear Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. Fachi, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Aaron, Kevin, love, really much appreciate you, you guys reaching out to me and being on the show. Love to talk some Pacer basketball. Also very interested in talking some Timberwolves basketball today. So yeah, man, I think it should be a very fun episode. You know, it's been it's been a tale of uh of two seasons really, even just on the on the Pacers standpoint. I mean, uh the Pacers one of those young up and coming teams in the in the NBA in general, but um a team that a lot of people pick to finish maybe even in the top three in the East. Um, and then you guys lose Victor Oladipo and at the time of Depot's injury, which season ending gruesome, really, really just hopefully he comes back and, and bounces back strong. What were your initial thoughts on the, uh, on the Oladipo inju- injury and, and what it could possibly do to this Pacers team? Oh man, it, it was devastating because the Pacers were playing just such phenomenal basketball that when it happened, you, you just couldn't believe it. I mean, we were taking on the Toronto Raptors, everything's going well. And then you see Oladipo go down and, and, of course, it wasn't just a tweak. I mean, it was a ruptured quad tendon out for the year. So it was at that moment everybody writes you off. And regardless of the record, they just kind of think, okay, well, this team will just fizzle out. But they honestly haven't. Everybody stepped up on the team. It's been amazing. I mean, a season-high 20 games above 500 at this moment. And with 23 games to go, seems like the team should be a lock to win at least 50 games. So I'm very impressed with what the team continues to do. I think they've really rallied around the loss of Oladipo. And, uh, hey, it's paid off. They won 8 of 9. So I really can't complain at this point. Fossey, Aaron Groshan here with the Howl. Question for you. After the Oladipo loss, what would you see as the number one piece to keeping this team together? Is it Coach Nate McMillan or other players stepping up in his absence? Because right now you guys have a better record than I think nationally people would think the Sixers would be uh, overall a better team, but you actually have a a better record than the Philadelphia 76ers, a team which many people recognize as an absolutely stacked or loaded team in the Eastern Conference. What would you contribute this team's success post-Oladipo injury? Chemistry. Chemistry is everything. I think Coach McMillan has done an amazing job keeping the guys together. I think, you know, they lost four straight games after losing Oladipo, but it was when they went to Miami and visited Oladipo. He spoke with the team. Really, I feel like the Pacers came out of that meeting with him, a whole new fired-up team, and, and they showed it. They won six straight before losing the Bucks, which, you know, there's no harm in losing a team with the best record in the NBA without your best player. So I think it's been chemistry has been so key that when the trade deadline came i mean i'd be lying if i said i didn't want them to make a move but guys like thad young guys like darren collison that they just fit so well on this team and are so important in this locker room that if you were going to bring someone in you couldn't get rid of one of those guys and i love the, the small low risk move of bringing in wesley matthews without sacrificing anyone on this team so chemistry and led by a coach like Nate McMillan who's been there it's made all the difference in the world yeah eight and one in the month of February for the Pacers their only loss coming to uh, the best team record wise in the east and that's the Giannis Antetokounmpo led Milwaukee Bucks Uh, at the time of our recording they are eight and one in the month of February let's talk about a guy that has kind of gone through some ups and downs this season um, I would say, and a guy that here at the Howell we would have loved to see on the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, our guy DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, talk about his growth and, and kind of how he's been embracing that coming off the bench role. Honestly, Sabonis is doing something that we haven't seen in quite some time. Sabonis just recorded his 21st double-double off the bench this season, which no one's done over the last two seasons. So we're seeing something really special that you know, if you're not really paying attention to the Pacers, can almost go unnoticed. You know, he is just so efficient and deadly in the pick and roll. We're talking about a guy who has statistically gotten better in every single category each of his three years in the NBA, now averaging, you know, just over 14 and 9 off the bench, shooting over 60% in the year. I mean, it's 
seems that his ceiling, it, it, you, you can't, you can't cap it. There, there's just, you don't know how much better he could get. And sure, it, it sounds like, you know, this guy could be a homer right now just talking about, you know, his team, the Pacers. But I'm telling you, when you watch his game, it's very smooth. And I'm calling it right now. The next thing he's going to develop on is his three-pointers. Because once he adds that to his game, he's going to be deadly. This year on the season, shooting 8 of 14 from threes. You're almost wondering, why doesn't he just shoot more then? But he's just that efficient. He, he's a team-first guy that, as a big man, can pass. I mean, he's even averaging over three assists per game. So it, you'd love to see him play more. But for where the team's at right now, he's just so perfect with that second unit that uh, I can't complain one bit. Yeah, it sounds like he creates a, a mismatch situation because you know, your, your, your starting four spot is, is Thad Young right now, former Minnesota Timberwolf Thad Young. Good to see him thrive you know, against the, uh, the Wizards here. 22 points off of 9 of 11, nine of 11 shooting for Thad Young. Uh, but DeMontis just seems to kind of have that mismatch against those second tier off the bench forwards. Another guy who's been playing lights out for you guys as of late is Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, or sorry, Bojan Bogdanovich. Uh, mm-hmm. My gosh, 16.9 points per game. Talk about him and his, I mean, just his ability at, at the three-point game and, and everything that he brings as a whole, as a as a, a an all-around player. There is no better time for Bojan to be having a career year than in a contract year. And what he's doing this year is nothing short of amazing, honestly. For a guy who... You know, the Nets traded it. I mean, the Nets traded him to the Wizards a couple of years ago for a first round pick, and the Wizards let him walk. It made no sense. He signs with the Pacers on a, on a team friendly deal, just two years, 21 million. And this is a guy who is setting himself up for a real solid payday because he's been so consistent. Earlier this year, scored in double figures in 31 straight games. I mean, he's shooting nearly 50% from the field, about 43%. From three-point land, I mean, when Oladipo went down, this was the guy who stepped up most and has just been someone that you can count on every single game for between 15 and 20. And he's, he's someone that people aren't noticing as much as how much he means to this team because when he came over to the Pacers, pretty much strictly known as a three-point shooter. But he's actually become a half somewhat decent defender. You know, I'm not going to call him a great defender, but he's evolved his game. And it shows. He means so much to this team that that's the one guy where you know the Pacers aren't going to attract an A-list star. It's just not how it works for a small market team like Indiana. But Boyan is someone who they must bring back next year. Fos- I love everything he's brought to the table. Fossey, Fossey, speaking of defense, and, and the reason we wanted to bring you on the Howl, obviously we are playing the Pacers here on Thursday. We wanted to give the listeners and Timberwolves faithful a chance to understand what type of team is coming to town or what type of game we're going to have. Um, Thursday matchup, Pacers-Wolves. In, in, on the defensive front, you guys have a player, Miles Turner, who there's some rumblings around the NBA faithful saying this is a guy who has possibilities or at least should be in mention of de- Defensive player of the year. And I would add to that, I think there's a, a, a large number of people, you know, maybe the, you know, tune in now and then kind of NBA fan that would really have no idea of this being a possibility of his game. Let's hear your thoughts on what's making Miles Turner into what could be a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. What Miles Turner is doing this year in regards to defending the rim is is nothing short of great. He leads the league in blocks per game by, at this point, he's running away with it. He has about a .3 of a block lead on Anthony Davis. We all know what's happening with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. They're playing him even less and less per game. So sounds like he'll have the block title this year. Uh, what do you bring? The Pacers are a significantly better team when Miles Turner is on the floor. He's actually, in terms of just a defensive player, He's far more than that because he's actually on pace to become the first player ever to average over two blocks per game and shoot over 40% from three. So, you know, while he's not a unicorn like Porzingis, he's a guy who's very multidimensional that is very hard to defend. So if Miles Turner can bulk up just a little bit, you know, I think a defensive player of the year could very well be in his future. 
I think that he's having an amazing year has to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. I, I honestly, uh, a guy who I know very well from his days in the Pacers, Paul George, plays some great defense also. I think he's got to be in the running. But Miles Turner has really bought into that role as a rim defender and made it his own. And I think that it's only a matter of time before he is a household name, at least on the defensive side of things. So let's uh, let's break down this matchup a little bit. The last time the Wolves played the Pacers was back on October 22nd, where somebody named Jay Butler led the Timberwolves to a win, head coached by one T. Thibodeau, uh, neither of which are, are employed by the Minnesota Timberwolves anymore. Uh, and, and the Pacers, really with the exception of... Uh, of Oladipo are, are kind of the same team. So uh, what can, what can the Wolves fans expect to see out of this Pacers team that has, has spent this season maturing? Sure. You know, this, as you mentioned before, things have changed since that, uh, that matchup in October that the Timberwolves did win. Um, you're going to see a team right now that this Pacer team, they're scrappy. I mean, they're going to bring you down to their level. Um, they're, they're a team that, you know, they don't score too much it's about 108 points per game but they do lead the league in fewest points allowed at 103 points per game so you're going to get a team that's going to scrap they're going to die for balls um they're obviously playing in indiana which makes it a lot tougher for you guys because the patients are 23 and 8 at home and only one of those losses came to a non-playoff team uh so this is going to be a tough game for the timberwolves i think for the pacers you know you're you're riding a hot wave they've won both games coming off the all-star break but also well, I know we're talking about defense before, but they're also the second best shooting team in the league behind just Golden State and one of the better three-point shooting teams. So you're going to get a team that is pretty well balanced on both sides of things. Uh, I think that one name that I touched on earlier, Wesley Matthews, the last two games, has uh, played pretty well. Also another guy who's known as a 3 and D guy. So I think with you guys coming in, it looks like Carl Anthony Towns is going to play. So obviously you know, that's a huge boost for you guys. Seems that uh, Robert Covington will likely miss the game, um, but I, in my mind, you know, I don't want to be biased, but I feel pretty good about this one for the Pacers at home. Uh, what, are, what are you guys' thoughts uh, on this matchup? I think we're catching an L. <laughs> I, Aaron's, I Aaron's, so. Aaron's the realist, and I, I could be, I could be <laughs> called a little bit of a homer. I guess the one, one more question before before we yeah. let you go here: What's the one matchup in this game that you're looking forward to the most? Hmm. Can I answer uh, quick? Honestly, I want, yeah, I want to answer quick. I think it's Towns versus Turner. That's I like that. That's the key matchup. That's the key matchup right there. Because you got Towns uh, coming but, back from, from missing. You know, he kind of has life flash before his eye. You have Turner who's, you know, trying to establish himself as defensive player of the year. It just feels like that's going to be the cornerstone matchup. But feel free yeah. to throw out another one. I just had to no, jump no. in there quick because I'm excited <laughs> for that, to be honest with you. No, sure. I, I, I'm excited about that matchup the most also because, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was the number one pick in that draft that Miles Turner went uh, to the Pacers in. So this is going to be an interesting little showdown of two guys from the same draft class. Obviously, Towns does come in banged up. You know, thank God everything was all right from that car crash. But, you know, that would be a kind of game that would have people kind of keeping that eye on Miles saying like, okay, he did just kind of hold down one of the best. And I don't, I'm not saying that he can hold down Carl Anthony Towns because Carl is a force but that, that's a matchup that I would like to see very well also uh, just kind of seeing two former Pacers uh, point guards go at it I'd like to see some Darren Collison some Jeff Teague what have you guys thoughts been on Jeff Teague because I was initially a little bummed out and the Pacers didn't elect to offer him a deal but now I feel kind of good about it well he has a player option you guys should have traded for him at the deadline <laughs> um, yeah right you know to be honest with you it's uh Jekyll and Hyde a bit with him because that's the best way to describe it he has some really fantastic games and then he has these other mm -hmm. games where it's dribble 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 oh we got to shoot and it that it just kills the offense he has poor shooting so it's just really some hot and cold I don't know what the deal is it just doesn't feel like he's a hundred percent uh, mentally engaged since the trade, mm -hmm. the firing. I haven't seen, you know, last year I thought he played very good and I, I loved him on our team. The thing with the Timberwolves this year is the guys that should be playing point guard is Tyus Jones and Derek Rose. I, I, will, I agree. I will say this though. Jeff Teague is one of my favorite guys to have in the locker room. 
He was a very vocal opponent of some of the things that Tom Thibodeau did when he was here. Uh, when Tyus Jones was playing incredibly well, Jeff Teague was the first one to give praises. So I, although I, I will say I don't like the amount of money we're paying Jeff Teague to kind of slow mm-hmm. up the offense, his locker room presence. And I think what he's done for Tyus in some of the intangible stuff is, uh, is incredibly, incredibly good for the team. I got, I got one more question for you guys uh, before I head off. What are you guys going to do with Derrick Rose moving forward? The guy has, has had just an awesome year, and I, I think that he's going to be a coveted free agent with you guys having just made that trade for, for Sarich and, and Covington. You know, Sarich is due some money, you know, a new contract. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to try and lock up Rose, or is this a, an unfortunate circumstance where he kind of walks? So I think I know Aaron's answer, but my answer is I want to keep him as long as the price is right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do. I think we can get D Rose on the vet min again. I don't. Um, but I would, I would like to keep him around if the money's right. But I think I know what Aaron's answer is going to be. Let's, let's see if he knows what my answer is. going to I don't be. think Aaron wants to keep him. No, my, <laughs> my answer was, is this, I felt that once they fired Thibodeau and traded Butler, his loyalties to the team shifted. He didn't come out and say it. It's just overall my assessment of it. So then I'm thinking, well, any chance we had at keeping him on sort of a, a buddy deal, right? Some type of taking some leniency, freeing up some cap. You know, people like to say, oh, he's got his money from Adidas. He's already made a bunch of money. But the bottom line is the guy's going to play like a player who's going to be, like you said, highly coveted, worth a lot Comeback in free agency, where I think the Timberwolves really dropped the ball at the trade deadline because I don't think they're going to have enough cash or want to pay him enough money that he's deserving in a new contract because they're going to, you know, it's keep Tyus Jones. Jeff Teague is, I would say, a 90% lock to take up his player option. And I think they missed an opportunity to trade him and return some value. And because ultimately, I think he's going to sign a deal elsewhere. So you had a chance to get a guy riding high. You know, I mean, especially, you know, when he was second in votes for the All-Star game. I mean, that's when I would have been making calls. But I just think they missed an opportunity. I don't anticipate Derrick Rose back in a Timberwolves uniform. Uh, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more, Aaron. I, I think that this is Rose's last shot to get a real good long term deal. You know, something along the three or four years, if that's what he wants. You know, this is the time for him to, to cash in on a great season. I think his loyalty was the tid. So uh, I think that's gonna. You know, I don't see him back in a Timberwolves jersey either. But hey, it was, it was pretty fun while it lasted. Well, you got to imagine he's going to want to compete for some type of championship. But now that he's sure. feeling healthy, playing good, he's he's got that mojo back. You got to imagine he wants to be on a team that can get there. And I think if you're being honest, you can look at the way the Timberwolves are right now. We're a couple years from even trying to get anything, unless we have a absolute phenomenal draft and knock him out of the park in free agency which we're rather tight on our salary cap, so I don't know how that's possible. It just feels like our window, which I thought we once had a great window when you look at last year, you have to understand from a Timberwolves perspective, things have changed so dramatically for us. Because you can even look back to last year. Last year we're sitting at this time in last year, third place in the Western Conference. You got Cat, Wiggins, and Towns. You're thinking the future is bright, right? And everything changed at least in my perspective. So, you know, I, I think Rose is going to go to some place where he can get paid and also fit some need of, uh, you know, really competing. Maybe he ends up with the Pacers. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, who knows? I mean, ah. you, guys, you, guys, you guys have a window. I mean, you guys are building it up. I mean, get Oladipo back. You could have Rose be that vet behind him, maybe take some you know pressure off of him. I don't know. It would be interesting. We do have some contracts up for grabs. But, hey, before I hop off, I'm sorry. I got one more question. I have to hear it from a Timberwolves fan. What is going on with Andrew Wiggins? Is this just who he is? Or yes. is this just – okay. That's what I was kind of thinking because it seems like the the progression or lack thereof the last you know two years or so, it, I'm kind of thinking that this is exactly what you're going to get moving forward. Hopefully it can improve a little bit, but – it's got to be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow knowing that the contract is what it is and, you know, you need him to step up. 
Fossey, I'm going to give you the quickest answers I can on this. I'll let Kevin jump in and, and close this out. But here's the way I looked at it. I looked at the extension. Uh, it was premature. They should have played out that contract uh, contract season because I can guarantee you if you let them play that season out, at the end of the season, there wasn't a team in the league that was going to give them a max contract. From mm-hmm. there, he's multi-years in the league. And you can argue, and, and that's what a lot of like our, our really loyal fans will say is, well, he's had a lot of different coaches. You know, a lot of different players have came through there. He hasn't had a lot of consistency, and that's true. The trouble is, is when you – and I said this all of last year. I said for a guy that was on an $8 million end of, end of rookie scale contract, there's a certain pressure that goes with that in being sort of the face of the team. But there's a whole new level of pressure that arises when you are the face of the team and you have a max contract. And that's the part that he doesn't live up to, and, and it's, it's too inconsistent, and the effort in – you know – ebbs and flows night in and night out. And that's just not my expectation or the standard that I hold a player at max level to be. Has he improved? I don't know. I haven't seen an improvement. He's got, he's averaging a little bit more rebounds. He's got Ryan Saunders, you know, Rob Hess is giving me stink eyes. He loves them. And I, I think giving some consistency with Ryan Saunders, we'll see how that works out. But overall, I would say it's, it's a bit of a disappointment for a guy who's a number one pick max contract player, he should be doing more. Well said, well said. Yeah, simple simple as that. But uh, uh, that's, that's all the time we got. Again, uh, Fauci, thanks, thanks for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Fauci. That's F-A-C-C-I. He is the host of Setting the Pace uh, with our good friend Alex Golden. So, uh, again, Wolves play the Pacers on Thursday. Uh, tune into the Up and Under NBA Setting the Pace podcast. Uh, guys put out some great content on a weekly basis. Hopefully the Wolves can steal a win against a great Eastern Conference team. And and thanks again for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Hey, Aaron, Kevin, appreciate the time. Hey, good luck in the game on Thursday. That wraps it up for this week's edition of The Howl. Would like to give a huge shout-out to Fatchy from Setting the Pace, uh, part of the Up and Under, for joining us. Uh, you can find us here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel Wednesdays from 2 to 5 Central and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central. Uh, find us on Twitter at the Hell Radio, or you can find the uh, Nothing But Net channel at NBN Radio. Uh, Rob at the Sportsman, Aaron at Aaron Groshong, and myself at KDraves42. Again, that wraps it up. Until next week, for Aaron, Rob, and myself, let me get a howl. Introducing the Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio. The Roadcaster Pro is a true world-first all-in-one console solution for podcasters of all levels. Featuring four microphone channels, Bluetooth, USB, and TRRS inputs, eight color-coded sound effect pads, four high-power headphone outputs, and more. The Roadcaster Pro is professional podcasting made easy. Available in stores this December. Visit www.road.com for more information. Once again, that's www.rode.com.